Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seven sacks coming forward. How do? Seven. Mr. Rental smiles winked. This is my good friend, Alderman Mackin, the theater manager from London. Glad to meet you, sir. She's not gone, has she? Asked Sachs hurriedly. No, my housekeeper wanted to talk to her. Come along, and in the waiting room, full of permanent examples of the results of Mr. Rentoul Smile's spiritual attitude toward his fellow men, Edward Henry was presented to Isabel Joy. The next instant the two men and the housekeeper had unobtrusively retired, and he was alone with his objective. In truth, Seven Sachs was a notable organizer. 3. She was sitting down in a cosy corner, her feet on a footstool, and she seemed a negligible physical quantity as he stood in front of her. This was she who had worsted the entire judicial and police system of Chicago, who spoke Pentecostal tongues, who had circled the globe and held enthralled, so journalists computed, more than a quarter of a million of the inhabitants of Marseilles, Athens, Port Said, Candy, Calcutta, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Hawaii, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, Denver, Chicago, and lastly, New York. This was she. I understand we're going home on the same ship, he was saying. She looked up at him, almost appealingly. You won't see anything of me, though, she said. Why not? Tell me, said she, not answering his question. What do they say of me, really, in England? I don't mean the newspapers. For instance, the azure society do you know of it he nodded tell me she repeated he related the episode of the telegram at the private first performance of the orient pearl she burst out in a torrent of irrelevant protest the new york police have not treated me right it would have cost them nothing to arrest me and let me go but they wouldn't every man in the force you hear me every man has had strict orders to leave me unmolested it seems they resent my dealings with the police in chicago where i brought about the dismissal of four officers so they say and so i'm to be boycotted in this manner is that argument mr mackin tell me you're a man but honestly is it argument why it's just as mean and despicable as brute force i agree with you said edward henry softly do you really think it will harm the militant cause do they really think so no it will only harm me i made a mistake in tactics i trusted fool to the chivalry of the united states i might have been arrested in a dozen cities but i on purpose reserved my last two arrests for chicago and new york for the sake of the superior advertisement you see i never dreamt now it's too late i'm defeated i shall just arrive in london on the hundredth day i shall have made speeches at all the meetings but i shall be short of one arrest 
and the ten thousand pounds will be lost to the cause the militants here such as they are are as disgusted as i am but they scorn me and are they not right are they not right there should be no quarter for the vanquished miss joy said edward henry i have come over from england specially to see you i want to make up the loss of that ten thousand pounds as far as i can i'll explain at once i am running a poetical play of the highest merit called the orient pearl at my new theatre in piccadilly circus if you will undertake a small part in it a part of three words only i'll pay you a record salary sixty-six pounds thirteen and fourpence a word two hundred pounds a week isabel joy jumped up are you another of them then she muttered i did think from the look of you that you would know a gentlewoman when you met one did you imagine for the thousandth part of one second that i would stoop stoop exclaimed edward henry my theatre is not a music hall you want to make it into one she stopped him good day to you she said i must face those journalists again i suppose well even they i came alone in order to avoid them but it was hopeless besides is it my duty to avoid them after all it was while passing through the door that she uttered the last words where is she seven sacks inquired entering fled said edward henry everything all right quite mr rintoul smiles came in mr smiles said edward henry did you ever photograph sir john pilgrim i did on his last visit to new york here you are he pointed to his rendering of sir john what did you think of him a great actor but a mountebank sir during the remainder of the afternoon edward henry saw the whole of new york with bits of the bronx and yonkers in the distance from seven sacks's second automobile in his third automobile he went to the theatre and saw seven sacks act to a house of over two thousand dollars and lastly he attended a supper and made a speech but he insisted upon passing the remainder of the night on the lithuania in the morning isabel joy came aboard early and irrevocably disappeared into her berth and from that moment edward henry spent the whole secret force of his individuality in fervently desiring the lithuania to start at two o'clock two hours late she did start edward henry's farewells to the admirable and hospitable mr sachs were somewhat absent-minded for already his heart was in london but he had sufficient presence of mind to make certain final arrangements keep him at least a week said edward henry to seven sachs and i shall be your debtor for ever and ever he meant carlo trent still bedridden as from the receding ship he gazed in abstraction at the gigantic inconvenient word common to three languages which is the first thing seen by the arriving and the last thing seen by the departing visitor he meditated the dearness of living in the united states has certainly been exaggerated for his total expenses beyond the confines of the key amounted to one cent dispersed to buy an evening paper which had contained a brief interview with himself concerning the future of the intellectual drama in england he had told the pressman that the orient pearl would run a hundred nights save for pudding the orient girl instead of the orient pearl and two hundred nights instead of one hundred nights this interview was tolerably accurate four 
two entire interminable days of the voyage elapsed before edward henry was clever enough to encounter isabel joy the most famous and the least visible person on the ship he remembered that she had said you won't see anything of me it was easy to ascertain the number of her stateroom a double berth which she shared with nobody but it was less easy to find out whether she ever left it and if so at what time of day he could not mount guard in the long corridor and the stewardesses on the lithuania were mature experienced and uncommunicative women their sole weakness being an occasional tendency to imagine that they and not the captain were in supreme charge of the steamer however edward henry did at last achieve his desire and on the third morning at a little before six o'clock he met a muffled isabel joy on the d-deck the d-deck was wet having just been swabbed and a boat chosen for that don's boat drill ascended past them on its way from the sea level to the busy boat deck above on the other side of an iron barrier large crowds of early rising third-class passengers were standing and talking and staring at the oblong slit of sea which was the only prospect offered by the d-deck it was the first time that edward henry aboard had ever set eyes on a steerage passenger with all the conceit natural to the occupant of a costly stateroom he had unconsciously assumed that he and his like had sole possession of the ship isabel responded to his greeting in a very natural way the sharp freshness of the summer morning at sea had its tonic effect on both of them and as for edward henry he lunged and plunged at once into the subject which alone preoccupied and exasperated him she did not seem to resent it you'd have the satisfaction of helping on a thing that all your friends say ought to be helped he argued nobody but you can do it without you there'll be a frost you would make a lot of money which you could spend in helping on things of your own and surely it isn't the publicity that you're afraid of no she agreed i'm not afraid of publicity her pale gray-blue eyes shone as they regarded the secret dream that for her hung always unseen in the air and she had a strange wistful fragile feminine mien in her mannish costume well then but can't you see it's humiliating cried she as if interested in the argument it's not humiliating to do something that you can do well i know you can do it well and get a large salary for it and make the success of a big enterprise by it if you knew the play i do know the play she said we'd lots of us read it in manuscript long ago edward henry was somewhat dashed by this information well what did you think of it i think it's just splendid said she with enthusiasm and will it be any worse a play because you act a small part in it no she said shortly i expect you think it's a play that people ought to go and see don't you i do mr socrates she admitted he wondered what she could mean but continued what does it matter what it is that brings the audience into the theatre so long as they get there and have to listen she sighed it's no 